Hey guys, Ben here. Uh, just a quick announcement. This is the last show for Taste for Tenacity. Uh, I'll have a more detailed explanation on my website, but I gotta make something bigger and I gotta make something newer. So thank you for coming along and for listening over the last nine months. And with that, let's get to this week's show. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ben Trella, and this is Taste for Tenacity. This week on the show, we have Gerald Collins. Gerald is a visual artist based here in Detroit. He works with film, photography, and graphic design, among others, and he tries to focus on the viewer's experiences and feelings. Gerald, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. My, uh, my pleasure. Now, you're you have a lot of different mediums that you're working in, so <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll circle back to those later on. All right, tight. Um, do you do you like work in in fashion at all, or is it primarily visual arts that you're um, focused on? Primarily visual arts. I think just kids know me for like fashion and getting dressed and being fresh, but hmm. I don't work in that industry at all. Got it. It's sort of just an interest and an expression rather than something you're actively in. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So now let's let's sort of wind back the clock because, like I said, you're sort of all over within visual arts, which mm-hmm. is which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were like in middle school, high school, in in your educational background, mm-hmm. did you know you wanted to go into that sort of creative field, or were you more like kind of mm. tentative and finding that later on? Um. I really didn't know. Um, I started out as like a artist when I was younger, like very young, like I'm talking like kindergarten, first, second grade, all the way kind of through like grade school and a little bit of middle school. Um, But I was not sure what I wanted to do. It was just kind of like my pops taught me how to draw and I ended up like being really good at it. And huh. it kind of just fell by the wayside because I was in the sports heavy. Okay. So it kind of just disappeared through my, like, middle school and high school career. And then it ended up coming back, so. Hmm. Did your dad, like, literally sit down with you and kind of walk <laughs> yeah. you through it? No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So his, um, so my great-granddad used to be an artist, actually, um, his father. I never met the guy. Hmm. Um, but my dad told me many stories about him. And, um he kind of literally just sat me down and was like, hey, like, we're going to teach you how to draw. Hmm. And I was just like, all right. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> if you insist, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's kind of cool, too, that that you had that sort of dynamic and that relationship with, with your father, mm-hmm. that he was willing to sit you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, growing up, my, my grandpa, when my oldest brother started being a lefty, yeah. like when he was real young, yeah. my grandpa knew that it was a right-handed person's world. And so he'd like move the pencil into my brother's right hand and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But with, with your father and, and him <laughs> kind of like instilling that, that creative spirit within you or maybe f- kindling it a yeah. little more, it seems like he, he sort of just gave you the tools to express something that was that was there within you. Yeah, it, really, that's what it was. Like, he he sat me down, and we didn't even choose a subject on what I was drawing. We He just kind of, like, taught me drawing, and then I had, like, this efficient, like, I had this, like, a fat infatuation with, like, Godzilla when hmm. I was younger. <laughs> All right. 
So I had this infatuation with like Godzilla and I love drawing like dinosaurs. Huh. So that's what like I got really good at was like drawing dinosaurs to the point where I ended up drawing the uh, the uh, cover for my school yearbook. No three way. Three years in a row. No way. Beating upperclassmen <laughs> by drawing dinosaurs. <laughs> did, did you ever get questions like, dude, what, what the hell's up with all the dinosaurs on the yearbook? <laughs> no, honestly, I think. I honestly think that they knew, like, that message kind of, like, permeated throughout the school because I was, like, the young kid that I'm in first and second grade, and um, when it's nap time, like, I'm going, I'm skipping naps, and I'm going to, like, the art class, hmm. and I'm doing uh, chalk drawings, linoleums, uh, etchings, like, I'm doing just whatever. Yeah. And, um my the art teacher like this was a special thing because like they weren't allowing any kids to like skip nap time like wow. or come out of class so like i'm like one of the only i'm actually the only kid that's doing this that's and nuts. um my the art teacher knew about my like infatuation with dinosaurs um my uh principal the school principal actually like gifted me a uh, like a couple dinosaurs like a few hmm. um gifted me a few and like that message just kind of like permeated throughout the school like oh yeah that's a dinosaur that's kid the di <laughs> 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 is that how you sign the yearbooks too <laughs> <laughs> you know what i wish i did <laughs> we'll we'll bring it back we'll yeah it back. yeah for sure i might have to like bring that back for a series or something maybe <laughs> everybody from my past will be able to know who it is i mean that'd be that'd be kind of dope yeah like if you made big prints of those i might i'm on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so now you said that 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 interest sort of fell by the wayside and, mm -hmm. and you kicked it into the back burner a little bit throughout middle school and high school yeah. because primarily of sports mm -hmm. what what really made you want to set that aside um it wasn't even really something that was conscious i think it was more of just kind of i got into sports like mm, there was a rule in my house like you play a sport and you know like or you can play two sports but you're not about to like sit around for the entire year and like not do anything yeah you have to be active yeah okay. so um i get into football and originally, like, I played basketball with my dad all the time, uh, his friends, so I was playing with, like, adults. And then, like, I get into football, and I hated it when I first started. Like, hmm. I literally hated it. Um, I literally cried every day of practice, but my parents were like, nah, you're going to do this. So I'm <laughs> like, yo, I just got to get good at it. So, like, after a while it kind of snapped in my head because I used to like go and do hidden drills and get embarrassed and do all this stuff because I'm like, I didn't even want to be there. Mm -hmm. But um, I ended up getting really good at it. So when that, when that happened, I ended up kind of just sticking with it and I was still playing. So in the spring and summer, I'm playing football. In the fall, winter, I'm playing basketball. Hmm. This is from like age, I want to say six to um, 18. Yeah, six to 18. Those were the, that was the age range that I played sports. So I it wasn't a conscious decision to stop making art. It was kind of just, oh, well, I'm doing sports. I'm always into this. I'm not really thinking about drawing right now. So this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how it ended up panning out. But Okay. Yeah. So you said it was around ages like 6 through 18 yep. that you were on this, this six-month rotation you'd do, mm -hmm. you know, 
two months, excuse me, uh, four months, six months, yeah, mm-hmm. six-month rotation. Yeah. You do uh, six months in football, yep. six months in basketball, yep. and your drawing kind of fell by the wayside at that point. Yeah. Did you feel that kind of itch to get back to it at all, or was it sort of, you know, hey, this is this is what I got to focus on right now? Um, Yeah, kind of, but I really didn't get the – it wasn't even really an itch thing. It was kind of – like once I hit 18 and like once I'm getting all these like college letters, I'm getting a few like and in- few coaches interested in me coming to play football, getting mm-hmm. a few offers for that. Um, it was kind of this thing where I'm like, I don't want to like make money by playing a sport. Hmm. Like I just don't want to do that because my heart wasn't in football. Um, I enjoy football. Um, but it just wasn't in it. My heart wasn't in it at all. Um, and I was really good at it, but I just, again, my heart wasn't in it. Um, Hmm. and basketball, I enjoy basketball a lot more than football. Yeah. But I stopped playing basketball, um, my junior year or sophomore year, I'm sorry. Sophomore year of high school was the last year playing basketball. Um, because there was like some weird, like politics going on at my school between, football coach and basketball coach are on not the greatest terms Hmm. so the kids suffer from that because it's like oh you're not in the gym 24 7 so when we're running cross country and then coming back to do like you know a whole like practice or two practices in a day yeah um you're out playing football so yeah you can be good yeah you can like we we know you're getting better. We know you could be on the squad, but because of my relationship with the coach, you're not playing. They felt like you weren't putting the work in. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I stopped playing. So I stuck with football to the end. And then I kind of just had, like, this thing where I got to college and I didn't know, like, what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, so I – had this thing where I chose to go for business, okay. like a business degree. So um, in the midst, this is all in the midst of me, like choosing colleges and stuff. Like we can kind of like go over that. But yeah. like, um, again, like I just kind of had, a, I chose to do a business degree. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to school for business. And then lo and behold, the day comes to like bubble in like your information on like, what is this orientation day? Yeah. Um, already declared the major, everything. I got this like school of business shirt on and I'm like doing all this, like whatever. And then, um, I get up to like the, like the little like table and I'm like, this isn't what the hell I want to do. Like, this is not what I want to do. So I was like, wait a minute. Like, what is it that I'm interested in or that I'm remotely like talented in that I don't know a lot about? And that was graphic design. So literally, right then and there, still with the School of Business shirt on, I just bubbled in graphic design. No way. Yeah. No. <laughs> did they when, did they look at that paper when you handed it in? Because I feel like if if they would have, mm-hmm. like, um, I, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah. So like they they definitely looked at it because that was kind of like the thing to like. Like, you could verbally declare or you could, like, you know, pick your major. Okay. But it was this, 
like it was just bubbling in your information for it to kind of go like to whoever it needs to go to at the advising mm -hmm. offices. Okay. So like, and then for you to set up schedules from there. So like, I literally just was like, nah, business is not where I'm gonna do. <laughs> it's not where I'm gonna go. So I was just like, nah, graphic design. So I bubbled it in. <laughs> yeah, I bubbled it in. Initially, I wanted to go for fashion. They didn't have that. Um, okay. So I was just like graphic design and I bubbled it in and here I am. So. Okay. okay. So you went the you went the college route and mm -hmm. where where did you wind up going? Um I went to Oakland University. Okay. And mm -hmm. was that sort of a hey my family's close I'll go there or what what drew you toward Oakland in particular? Um partially because it was close um far enough from my family but close enough. So like there was this thing where my aunt went there um and I kind of was familiar with the school already through her. Yeah. Um, she graduates, and I'm, like, getting all these letters, and I'm like, well, where am I going to go? I applied to Western. I applied to State. Um, it's a few other visits that I go on. I go on a visit to Central, a visit for the football. Like, I go on a few visits for that. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Like, Oakland was just kind of, like, Again, like it was close enough, but it was far enough. So in the sense where like I want to be like kind of close to my family or I wanted to be, but it was also like I wanted to be far enough to where like I kind of had that independence. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going there kind of really on that decision of like it's far enough, but it's close enough. And then it's also um, they were the ones that gave me the most like financial aid or something. Okay. Like I had got a grant. And um, I think after the first year, I ended up getting a scholarship for GPA or something oh, nice. like that. So they like worked with me and gave me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like the ending at the end. That was the stamp like, yo, they're giving you this money. You're going to go here. You're going to make the best of it kind of deal. That was the kicker for you. Yeah. Okay. So now you're at. <laughs> I still love <laughs> at the orientation business school t-shirt on <laughs> no yeah <laughs> I'm gonna go into graphic design yeah did was graphic design just like the one on the list that grabbed your attention I think so honestly if I remember if I can recollect co like correctly on how that like happened I believe that was like the one thing on the list that I was like yo I'm interested I don't know that much about it, but I do remember my past, and I used to draw, and I used to do this, and I used to do that. So that could be of that could be of some benefit. So yeah. I was like, "All right, graphic design, it is." Let's so, go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in your coursework, then mm -hmm. you know you're in, you're at Oakland, mm -hmm. you're graphic design now. Yeah. Screw business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of coursework were you doing, and did it start to kind of bring back that that sort of fire that you had for creating that you did? When you were younger. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was like, so with my courses, um, the way I set it up was I had a, um, I had to do like the prereqs and all this, you know, all that good stuff. But I set up my courses eventually once the prereqs were done so that I was able to maximize the amount of information I could learn in like a small amount of time. Huh. So meaning like by the time I got done with prereqs, I had taken enough classes in studio art because I had set up, like, I had my graphic design, like, I guess, foundations yeah. course. Then you have, like, your, um, your new media courses and all these different things. 
and I started picking like photography classes. I started picking um, video classes. I'm picking painting classes. Like I'm picking all these like classes that are in studio art, like within that studio art bubble. So I go to my advisor one day and um, she's like, yeah, like at this point, you know, you have all these credits, whatever. I'm taking 16 courses at a time. So she's like, yeah, like you could, you should, or you could pick up a studio art minor. Hmm. So I was like, all right, I mean, why not? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, why not? Like, I'm like this naive kid that's in college that is just like, all right, cool. Like, I'm here. I'm <laughs> in graphic design. So, yeah. You say, like, I already got a, like, foot in studio art world, so let's pick up the minor. Yeah, may as well. Yeah. So then that's, like, how that happened. But I made, like, the key is for me to make sure that I had, or for me to have made sure to set up the courses to where I could learn and maximize the amount of information. Yeah. So that was the biggest thing. So taste taste the most different things so mm -hmm. that you could say all right here's what i like here's what i don't like mm -hmm. was there anything that really just kind of turned you off in any of those classes um let me think N no not really there wasn't anything that really turned me off it was a lot of things that were like college had this thing of like programming me and then unprogramming me How so? um so i so this is like the foundations of like why I work in all these different mediums. Um, but I learned about the Bauhaus. Um, it's a school that was formed in Weimar, Germany. Um, if I'm not like, I'm not like super correct on the year, so I can't really give you that. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is like, the 1960s somewhere in there okay i could be completely off though but the main thing is the message so i learned about the bauhaus they teach me this in mm -hmm. an art history class and that right there was where like i had been programmed this was maybe my i want to say second year in college no okay. third third year in college um, so the first two years, I'm like, I've been programmed to think of things in this way of like, your your design is supposed to look this way. This is what makes a perfect design. Yeah. This is what makes a perfect photo. This yeah. is what makes a perfect painting. This is what, like, this All is your... composition stuff. Yeah, and like, this is your path. Like, as a designer, this is what you are meant to do, mm -hmm. is to design, to go through these courses, learn all this stuff, and end up designing wine labels for people. So I'm like, so when they teach me about the Bauhaus, it's this school that's formed, that was formed in Germany that was literally an all-encompassing curriculum. So they treated everything like it was art. So if that means the design of a chair, the design of a cup, the design of a lamp, the design of anything, it's all treated as art. And then painting in a lamp, is kind of on the same scale of things. Like, it, it matches up as far as, like, what it, art is perceived to be. Hmm. Um, so it's this all-encompassing course um, and or this all-encompassing curriculum. And yeah. I'm like, yo, like, this is crazy. Like, I never thought of stuff like this where I'm now I'm, like, digesting, like, everyday objects as, like, art. Like, I'm thinking about them in that way. So that's where college like unlike they unprogrammed me because they like pulled the plug on like how they 
programmed me to think because I'm like, you teach us this about the Bauhaus, and this is like this supposedly like perfect like curriculum for artists of all different mediums and genres. And then you turn around and you want me to like go and design like another wine label. Like mm -hmm. I can't like yeah. mentally, like <laughs> I just can't anymore because I've seen, I've been exposed to this. So I'm like, how could I, how could you expect me to now go back to that? Once you pull the pin, you can't put it Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, you know, that's where they like unprogrammed me. And I was just like, that's how, that is the foundation of why I work in all those different mediums. But literally that's what happened. Well, that's interesting too, because it seems, it seems like they were able to, to teach you mm -hmm. sort of a foundational formula. This mm -hmm. is how you design a kick-ass wine label. Mm -hmm. But then introducing the Bauhaus in that third year when they did mm -hmm. sort of turned to you and said, hey, you know what we taught you about making kick-ass wine labels? Mm -hmm. This applies to everything. Yeah. This applies to that chair you're sitting in, the cup you're drinking out of, the street lamp that you're walking by to mm -hmm. and from work. Mm -hmm. It sort of took that initial process that they outlined for you mm -hmm. and said, hey, this goes everywhere mm -hmm. you can use this everywhere however you design to create yep yep that's that's literally what it was it was like this thing of where you have like an architect like walter gropius um he's like an architect but then you can also have you know i don't know off the top of my head but walter gropius could also paint something yeah walter gropius also could make design a lamp yeah. he could also design a wine label if you wanted to i mean like you have these you have this curriculum in this school that all these different artists and architects and designers are a part of mm -hmm. and they're they're doing whatever like whatever they want they're literally doing whatever they want and it's like that is where like for me as the student that's sitting in the class with a bunch of other students i'm like are y'all not seeing this? Like, <laughs> when it goes back to, like, oh, well, hey, let's, like, go design, like, a, a brochure for the city of Detroit as a project. And it's like, yo, like, do y'all not remember that we just were taught, like, you could go out and design a lamppost in the city of Detroit if you want to? Or, yeah. like, you can go and, like, design furniture if you want to and also still, like, make that, like, kick-ass brochure for the city of Detroit? Yeah. And you could be known for both. Like, do y'all not remember that? From you like, you can be multidisciplinary. Exactly. So that's where that that was like the the taking off for me <laughs> right there. Yeah, that was. You can't put that that cork back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you're you're sort of a a multidisciplinary artist, as we've mm -hmm. mentioned numerous times. Yeah. But it it seems like your work is all focused on. How does the viewer feel? Mm -hmm. How does the viewer experience yeah. this thing that I'm creating? Mm -hmm. How do you create something with that much of the viewer's experience in mind? Um, through a lot of research. Um, a lot of research, a lot of conceptualizing, um, a lot of just talking to people, um, a lot of countless like reading and watching of interviews and artist talks and document like just everything that's kind of how you get to that point for me 
the biggest thing is um, not necessarily about the aesthetic of things, as much as I hate the word aesthetic. Um, it's not about the aesthetic of things, it's about the message. And that is the biggest thing that I kind of learned in art. And I didn't actually learn that at college. Hmm. Um, I was in New York, I think this was 2016. I bought a book, I went to the Guggenheim Museum so I like traversed all the way from like 39th and 9th <laughs> to like 89th and whatever the like hell the street was. You made a day out of it. Yeah. So I traversed this like terrain to get to the Guggenheim. And I'm going to the Guggenheim for two reasons. Well, one main reason. One is because Frank Lloyd Wright designed it. So Frank Lloyd Wright... He has actually has a lot of properties like up north or like around in Michigan and Michigan that are kind of scattered out. Hmm. But um, he was one of my favorite architects. He designed this house called Falling Water that was like super like like moving for me back in that time. And he designed the Guggenheim. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to go to the Guggenheim. I'm, and the second reason is I'm going to actually see art. Hmm. So um, I go to the Guggenheim. I go see the work the 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 irony like i believe in like signs and like little things that happen in life that kind of are like indicators of what you should be doing or where you should be going or okay. where you should be thinking about going okay and i go to the guggenheim i'm seeing this building i'm experiencing this like spiral like building and it's like super crazy but then there also happens to be an exhibition on the bauhaus there and i knew nothing about it um, <laughs> I'm just there and I'm like, holy crap, like, this it's is all like Bauhaus stuff. So like now I'm like super excited. The day is getting ready to like wind down and I go to the bookstore. I buy this book that's called How to Lead. It was literally the most cheesiest title. It's like How to Lead a More Creative Life and More Productive Life, something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. I don't even remember the author because it was that cheesy of a title that I was like, <laughs> yo, just I, could, <laughs> I could get something from this and I could not, but yo, it sounds kind of interesting. So yeah. let me let me pick it up. So I buy this book and I'm reading it and... I haven't read it in years, but the biggest thing that I remember from that book was about your message and mm -hmm. about what you can convey through your art and how different artists, how there's no new idea under the sun. And there was a quote that was in there that was somewhere along the lines of the way that I kind of become a giant is by standing on the shoulders of other giants. Mm -hmm. Because And that's to allude to the fact that there is no new idea under the sun. A lot of things are innovated or updated or um, there's unique combinations of inspirations. Yeah. But there is nothing new. So that was like the biggest thing was like, okay, well, instead of focusing on trying to make something new or try to like be this like revolutionary person the revolution isn't actually in what people see is in what they think about what you make hmm. um it's how they feel exactly i mean you think about anything like revolutions start their their mindset they yeah. start off in as a mindset and then they end up exuding out into the actual world mm -hmm. so in this case i'm like this is a mindset and i have to like push this out i have to figure out how to make something that can grasp the audience's mind and make them like 
perceive things or think things, whether they hate it or whether they love it. Yeah. The point is that they felt enough and that is a success for me. Mm -hmm. They felt enough to think anything about it. Okay. And that's a success for me. That is a success. Success for yeah. me. I can't speak. But um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that you know, that that's a successful design or piece of art to me. So that's how that kind of like that message kind of came about. Yeah. The value of of art mm -hmm. isn't creating something new and iconic. Mm -hmm. It's creating that feeling within the viewer. Mm -hmm. It's understanding them. And like you said, that's where the research comes in. Mm -hmm. It's hey, how are you approaching this? How do you feel when you're in this place? What are you thinking? What's on your mind? What day of the week is it even? Mm -hmm. How does that impact how your viewer feels? And you're going for that reaction. You're going for love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. you, you want to see that come through. Mm -hmm. And that, and for me, there's a lot of things. It's not like this thing where it's like you just make something and like you just hope like you make something with in mind a re like a reaction in mind you don't yeah. make anything with a reaction in mind but the thing is you do have to think about the reaction that will happen or could happen so you have to think about all possible angles that's what create that's what makes you a thorough artist mm -hmm. um and i like to think that as an artist i'm not the most skilled i'm not the most like talented i'm not the most whatever but i have the ability to know how to like market or how to like push a message out to people through kind of i guess you could say i learned that from graphic design because that is communications design you're communicating a message of your employer or whatever it is but I kind of, I guess like you could say I learned that from that. So it's more about me pushing, pushing this message of, um, you know, just uh, an overall experience of the art and thinking, actually thinking and having dialogue and commentary. So not about, it's not about, oh, hey, you painted this blue and I love the color blue. Or, you know, you're not thinking about that reaction. You're thinking about how the color blue can, what it means to use the color blue and what other people could perceive when they actually see it. It's not about just, it's a pretty blue. It's yeah. not about that um, for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's it's like, it's a lot of, it's, it's super deep. And I'm like, I spend a lot of time conceptualizing more so than anything. Um, because like I said, like, you're paying or you're not necessarily paying but you're 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 a part of the experience the audience will be a part of the experience and you have to think about that stuff so yeah mm -hmm. well that's cool too because and and i'm kind of curious to hear your take on it okay how do you balance knowing what the color blue means mm -hmm. to people with how that interpretation is impacted by each individual person's life experience, mm -hmm. right? So let's say you love the color blue because there was a lake that you had a cottage on when you were growing up. Yeah. What if I hate the color blue? Because when I was younger, I was in a car accident that involved a blue truck mm -hmm. that took out our car. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you how do you balance and consider those, like, minute details that everyone has in their own experience? And see, that as an artist is not, for me, I don't really think that that is my job to do, to, like, think about okay, well, if you got in an accident when you were younger and it was a blue car involved, you automatically hate the color blue. The thing is, though, 
it makes you think about that. So it makes you, it almost forces you back into a specific situation where these things relate. So it's about a relation to you. It's not about, it, again, it's never about whether you like it or not. It's about a relation to you and if you can internalize it. So you being in a, if you were in a car accident that involved a blue car, you have now looked at my work and internalized it. Hmm. And now it either forces you to kind of address the trauma from that accident that you may have not addressed, hmm. or it makes you talk to it makes you go talk to your friend and you're like yo i seen this art piece and i freaking hate it because <laughs> it was blue and like now you're talking about it with your friends yeah. and now they're they're bringing in their opinions so again now the color blue creates commentary it creates dialogue so that is the key is like you have to know how to create dialogue with people mm -hmm. or through art is all about dialogue it's never like think about like some of Andy, like, let me think of an artist off the top of my head. Like, Andy Warhol could be an example, but I'm not really. Like, the Brillo pad, for instance. Or, no, I'll go with a better one. So, like, think about movements. Not even, don't even think about a specific artist. Think about art movements. So, they all start, it's like almost, they're all like mini revolutions within the art world. Within the art world. So, you think about it, they're a mindset that some particular artist is thinking at that time or is in at that time and they push the message out and it again permeates throughout the art world to it either get picks up it gets picked up by more artists or it doesn't or maybe whatever but there's this it's all about the movement and about the message so think about like minimalism back in like the 60s so it was a rejection to overconsumption of like before the 60s like when the economy was booming yeah. money was plentiful that families yeah like that post-war period where like it was all about like the nuclear family having the white picket fence and like all these different things yeah. and then minimalism is like this radical movement at the time where it's like no we're not doing any of that like mm -hmm. as people as an artist we're going to reject that like that extra baggage so we're gonna make like a monolith that's just a square made out of like some high quality concrete and mm -hmm. put it in a gallery or a museum and somebody's gonna buy it. Um, so again, like it's this thing where they're thinking about how this movement or how this like idea can relate in real time to people that are not even in the art world. Hmm. Because then that message kind of permeated to, um, to like the fam like families and people in general and they started to like consume less like that's one of the few art movements that I like love that I'm like super I'm inspired by the message I used to kind of like try to like be a minimalist and like worry about the aesthetic again yeah there's that word but the aesthetic of like what the work looks like but I had this guy like he gave me this advice like a few years ago um, and he was like, don't worry about like the aesthetic. Don't worry about what your work looks like. Just make the work and eventually like the body of work will speak for itself. Yeah. So, um, but like that message, just like I say, like it just permeated. So mm. families are not consuming as much. Um, people are just not consuming as much. Then you get like these architects that are building like these buildings that are 
there's nothing in them really yeah. or like there's like they're built a specific way yeah um so it's all about like again like creating that message or like having a having an idea or being in a mindset and being able to like convey it to other people through like different whatever medium you choose whether that's the podcast or art or whatever like yeah. you have to you have to get your message out so so and and I'm curious and I'm glad you brought it back up mm -hmm. what don't you like about the word aesthetic um I think it's like a hipster word that's just, that's like the biggest thing for me I think it's like a hipster word or like um like this like overused like word in like popular culture that like tries to make people sound like they're cultured or like whatever but it's like yo it's it's just the word aesthetic so <laughs> it's not that deep like don't try to like play like yeah. it's that deep but yeah. you know um that's like it's it's like i don't know it's like the perfect word to use in specific times where it caught like it calls for it. So mm -hmm. like in that case where I brought like I used it, that's kind of like the only word that I could have used at that point. Yeah. But if I was just like walking around like free flowing and talking to people, like I'm not like using the word aesthetic. It just kind of has this weird connotation with me now. So yeah. I just don't really say it. But unless it calls for it. Okay. So. Gotcha. And now we're we're seeing too that that you learned from sort of this Bauhaus movement. Mm -hmm that you can you can create in a ton of different fields that seem totally unrelated within mm -hmm. the visual arts space. Mm -hmm. So what typically do you work in now? Um, and what are some of the different nuances of each of those mediums? Um, so now I'm particularly working in, um, well, before, because now like there's some stuff that's like permeating in my brain that will not be like before like work that I've done before but okay. um before it was like light installations and environments um film graphic design photography those were like the main things that I was like working in and those are like the main things that I guess you could say like my audience knows me for um because I have this message where, like, I have this thing, or I guess it's like a message where I'm all about, like, emotions and, like, feelings and um, just, like, being, like, kind of in tune with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. And because I think people forget, like, in a day and age where everybody can, like, create these images for themselves through like social media or through like the internet like this internet age of like just we're in or the time that we're in yeah you can create these messages and these characters and all these different like facades but the biggest thing is like just being yourself and you have to be in tune with yourself to even do that like yeah. you don't know none of us really know who we are we don't really figure that, I don't think we really figure that out until you know like we pass on but um you know like you have to know who you are as a person to then continue to be a better version of yourself or continue to like keep yourself in check as you move through life mm -hmm. so that's like i kind of like push that message and i use like there's this <laughs> the funny story is like i was this might have been again my second year of college i was trying to do fashion mm -hmm. Um, and I had this, like, I had this whole, like, <laughs> I had this whole collection and everything. It was, it was freaking <laughs> hilarious. I had this whole collection. I had a friend, um, 
shout out to you, Anthony. Uh, I had a friend who uh, he was a buyer at a clothing store out in uh, Birmingham, and um, he taught me how to like he was taught me a lot about just like quality of clothes and like he taught me how to mud dye all this stuff like use natural dyes and all these different things and then we had like he introduced me to his other friend who currently i think is in japan now Hmm. but he was like studying under like all these different indigo dye masters and all this stuff so like this collection was like me naturally dyeing clothes and like distressing them and doing all this stuff yeah and i had it all lined up to be released at a store and like it just fell through like Hmm. it the deal just like went like left it just kind of like fell through and like we heard nothing about it ever again and that was just kind of like all right like that's the end of like fashion for me but it was like this thing where i had like went through making tags trying to do all this like crazy stuff yeah but it was again like that was like me trying to venture off into that thing but like i said like my my friend kind of like put me on that mm-hmm. so i'm like okay uh you know like now like since i'm not since that's not going to work out we're going to like do we're going to figure out what's going to work for me at yeah. this point because i'm still in the brain like I'm in college and I'm like, I don't want to make money by playing a sport because I'm not playing a sport at this point. Yeah. And I'm also still trying to figure myself out and figure out what I want to do. So I have this notebook and I write down, (laughs) I write down like everything that I'm interested in. So like every, like literally everything that I'm interested in. So I'm talking like the most unrelated things like color, um, landscape, um, music uh uh, meditation uh all these different things I just write all these things down and I like go I spent like maybe two days like looking at this list and I'm like all right now I need to figure out how to get meditation and landscapes to mix Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to get color and landscapes and meditation to mix how do you mix these elements that you're yeah all these things that are totally unrelated but they're a part of like the like formula that makes me yeah so i'm like how do i get these things to talk Hmm. to each other so that i can make something that's like cohesive yeah and something that is like actually like makes sense yeah so um i spent like two days like just looking at this list and kind of putting it together and like hashing those details out and then next thing you know like i'm like all right i'm not gonna do fashion so I'm going to go over and, like, I'm going to just start doing photography. Gotcha. <laughs> and and that's, then, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, to, to shift to the second part of our show where basically these are quick hitters. Kay. So quick, short answer of first and foremost, what do you think is the key takeaway from your career and project so far? Uh, key takeaway from career and projects. Hmm. Um, I think the key is just uh, like I was at an artist talk um, at Cranbrook. I don't even remember the artist. Um, I was just there and I had some time to kill. I go to this artist talk and the last thing that he said was his career was based off. It was based off and predicated off the kindness of other people. Hmm. And I thought about that as in relation to myself and I was like, wow, like that that's me like yeah because 
the way the way it all took off was like literally based off of the kindness of someone that came to find my work and they gave me an opportunity so that's the biggest takeaway for me is like giving information sharing information like helping where you can um because again like these things come around like these things come back so i i got i got like this start because of a shameless plug from my aunt yeah (laughs) and it's like i i hate when my family does like does those (laughs) like shameless plugs i hate it but this one actually worked so she like goes and she goes to this uh, artist lisa spindler she actually like uh has a studio on woodward um so she goes to there she goes to her studio and she's like oh like she's with some friends or whatever from work and she's like hey like my nephew's an artist da 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 like you should <laughs> like she pulls up my like she yeah she pulls up my thesis project <laughs> so she see so then lisa now sees my thesis project and she's like yo like i want to meet this kid like set up a, wow. give him my contact information set up a meeting or whatever so I spend like so she comes back, she's like, Yeah, like this lady said to email her, da 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 and I'm like, Why did you go and like do that? Like why are you like shamelessly plugging yeah. me? Like what are you like cause that's like the like low key, like embarrassing thing that happens to all of us, but you just kinda like wave it off. Mm-hmm. But it happens and then she's like, um, so I set up this meeting, but I'm like I'm sending like email after email, I'm calling. Yeah. Because, like, I can't get in touch with this lady. Like, she gives me the information, and I'm just like, yo, where is she? Because now I'm, like, at this state where, like, I haven't done anything. Like, I've only done my thesis project. So, and that was, like, super impactful for what it was. So, it's like, now I'm hungry because yeah. I don't have anything to do. So, yeah. it's like, yo, where where is she? Da, 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 da. I spent, like, maybe two weeks trying to get this meeting, and I finally set it up. And then from there. How did it end? she within like the first like few hours of us talking like she gave me like she was like hey i have this like old decommissioned elevator shaft can you do something with it that's cool and i was like kindness of others yeah yeah i was like yeah i can so Mm -hmm. then like i just like did that and it took off and one thing led to the next Hmm. and now real quick because we're we're short on time Mm -hmm. here gerald where can people learn more about you um you can go on my instagram um at gerald collins underscore um and then also my website um gerald t collins if you google it just type in gerald t collins um and it'll come up and yeah those like my instagram you can kind of keep up with me on there i'm usually on there like day to day but it's kind of like personal more so it's not about like the artwork well it is but not really so Gerald Collins, visual artist from Detroit. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, man. From Taste for Tenacity, all 39 or 41 or 42 shows, this is Ben Trella. Thanks for listening.